You're listening to Kids Cue the Music, a podcast where we talk to musicians, performers, composers, and kids like you. We're asking the questions you've always wondered but never had the chance to ask. And we'll listen to music to see what makes it interesting and fun. Because music is for you. I'm your host, Darlene. And I'm your host, Rebecca Lane, director of Upper Beaches Music School. Let's cue the music. <laughs> Welcome to Kids Cue the Music. I'm your co-host, Rebecca Lane. And I am your co-host, Zara Lane. And today we have violin teacher and practicing expert, Christine Goodner, on the show. I am very excited about this because I've been in Christine, or Mrs. Goodner's, group on Facebook for a while now because she runs a group of parents and teachers called the Suzuki Triangle that is meant for parents and teachers to talk about music lessons. So what do you talk about? Well, one of the topics is practicing, how to practice, how to inspire kids to practice their instruments, how to not complain about practicing. In fact, Christine Goodner is so good at helping parents and kids practice happily that she wrote a book about it called Positive Practice, Five Steps to Help Your Child Develop a Love of Music. Because a lot of what makes a person love music happens outside of music lessons. And she has a podcast. So... Please join me in welcoming the well-known and well-loved Christine Goodner. Hi there. Hello, Mrs. Goodner. Hi there. Good to meet you and to talk with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are from, and what instrument you play? Sure. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois, although I moved from there when I was in middle school, and my dad conducted a youth orchestra, so I would go with him to his rehearsals when I was very young, and I found a bow, and it was actually a string bass bow in his bedroom, and when I was younger than three years old, I begged him to play the instrument that went with it. And because I was so small, and I think Suzuki only had violin back then, I was given a violin to start learning on. And I started my lessons when I was about three years old, practicing with my dad every day. Do you mean that if there had been Suzuki bass, you would have been a bass player? Maybe? Maybe. I think Suzuki was very new back then. And my dad had just graduated with a degree in music. And he only knew about this newfangled, this new idea of the Suzuki method having to do with violin. So it seemed like the logical choice at that time. Amazing. Yes. So now I live in Portland, Oregon. I have two kids who are now grownups. And I also thought it would be fun to share that I grew up in a family with four kids. And because I played the violin, my younger brothers and sister all played the violin too. And there was a time when we had a teacher who came to our house and all four of us had a violin lesson. And then all four of us had a guitar lesson. And she spent the whole day with our family doing music. Oh, she must have loved you. (laughs) So many lessons all at the same house. That sounds amazing. I remember exactly. when our house was the music school. That I mean, we ha- we had people coming over to our house all day, right? I mean, well, usually in the evening, but it's true. We did when we first started our music school. It was in our house, and there were people coming over all yep. the time. Did it feel like a music school there, Mrs. Goodner? A little bit. I think it was perfect for my mom because we could each have our lesson, and then we could run off, and we didn't have to be quiet through eight lessons in a row. We could go <laughs> play. And- when it wasn't our turn. And Mrs. Goodner, you teach the Suzuki method, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because you said that that's how you learned and that's now what you teach. So what is the Suzuki method? There was a man named Suzuki, Shinichi Suzuki in Japan many years ago. And he noticed the way young children and babies learn how to talk was a lot similar to how we learn to play a musical instrument. And he 
took the idea that any child or student could learn. And I think before he came up with his ideas, people used to have to take a test to see if they should play an instrument. But he really changed the thought that, oh, everyone should or could. And we just have to let people learn at their own speed. So I love that. So basically any person listening could learn to play an instrument or to sing or whatever to make music if they want to. That's what Mr. Suzuki was saying, Dr. Suzuki. Yes. And we spent a lot of time learning the technique and how to play well. And we all think a lot about the sound we're making and focus on the sound of music. And then we all also learn to read music, just sometimes in a different order than other methods. Yes. Very important. Okay. So we know that you're an ex- a practicing expert and practicing is hard. And we're right in the middle now. Zara, I don't even think that you knew this, but because you're not taking official lessons right now, but we're right in the middle of practice. Yeah, I've seen you look at the same. Yes, practice month at Upper Beaches Music School. And we have a chart online. I don't think I'm doing it though. You're not really participating in the challenge, but it is happening. I think once we did like a thing where, I don't think this is this year, this is like before would stay at home and everything, but I think we did this thing where, I don't know, whoever was the best at something or something won, like, jelly beans. Mm, we had a jelly bean challenge where if you practiced and you met your goal, and the goal was whatever your teacher told you you should do, if you met your goal, then you got to guess how many jelly beans were in the jar, and the person who got guessed closest got to keep the jar of jelly beans. It is pretty fun to play games like that, and the reason we do it for practicing is because practicing is hard to do. So we kind of have to motivate each other to practice and to reach our goals. So Zara, why don't you ask this question here? Because that's a good one to ask right now. So how did you become an expert at practicing? I love this question. I actually, I laughed when I was thinking about it a little bit before I came to talk to you today, because I think I really became an expert only because it wasn't easy for me when I was growing up. It wasn't easy for me to practice It wasn't easy when I practiced with my own children. It was hard for all of us to practice. And so I think I really just started talking a lot about practice because I wanted ideas for myself. I wanted to gather them up and help my own kids and help myself. And so I just learned a lot of ideas because I was trying to use them to help my own family and myself. So now I do a lot of talking to people about how they can use those ideas. And I also just love to hear what other ideas people have come up with, like your own ideas in your studio. Can you tell us some of your ideas? Sure. A couple of the things I've noticed is that if we start our practice doing something we really like, something short that we like, or we also end our practice doing something short that we really like, that it's okay if the middle feels sort of hard, or sometimes it's frustrating, or we wish it was over quicker. But if we do a little something that we enjoy at the beginning and end, that's a trick or a tip that I found really helped my kids and my own students too. So like a fun practice sandwich something fun at the beginning and then the hard stuff in the middle and then something fun at the end or maybe just one fun wait, thing at the beginning wait well, what's a topping in a sandwich you do not like a topping and oh i would not like say like a tomato sandwich i don't like tomatoes all right okay so it's bread tomatoes then bread again yep what about ketchup in the middle and nothing else oh still <laughs> not great not my favorite <laughs> But that's a good idea, though, to put the thing that you don't like as much in the middle so that it's easier to start. And then when you end, you feel really good about what you played because you finished. Is practicing supposed to be fun? What a great question. (laughs) I think some people think practice is really fun. I've met musicians. For example, there's a violinist, Rachel Barton Pine, who I got the chance to interview. And she seemed like she really loved practice her whole life and thought it was fun. And A lot of people, though, that I talk to 
don't necessarily think practice is fun. I don't know. I don't like the word should really, because I think we're allowed to feel like it's fun and we're allowed to feel like it's not fun. All of those are okay. For me growing up, what was fun was making music with my friends or there's a certain song I really want to play and I get to learn how to do it. It's fun once I've finished, but I think it's okay if practice is not fun at every moment. And it's also okay if we enjoy it. I think all those things are are perfectly fine. But should we still do it if it's not fun? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because doing the things that aren't so much fun helps us to do the things that are fun. Okay. Was there ever a time when you were practicing with your own kids and they didn't want to practice? What did they do? Yes, for sure. I felt like that happened a lot. I was a teacher learning how to teach other people and telling them all that their kids should want to practice. And then I would go home and my own kids wouldn't do what I was telling other people to do. I can relate. Yes. I think a lot of parents can relate. I found it very frustrating, to be honest. But I also had to learn to get to know each of my kids and figure out what each of them needed to do so that they would enjoy practice more, even if they didn't love it. I wanted to figure out what what would make each of them enjoy it and make it a little a little more fun. And just like we have to do things like brush our teeth and put on our seatbelt and just other things that can feel annoying as a kid. Practice can feel like that sometimes, but we also know it's important to do it and our parents can help us kind of keep going when we don't have the the feeling that we want to be doing it at that moment. So you mentioned that you had to really get to know your kids and find out what would make them want to practice. What were some things that you learned about them that helped you practice with them and help them enjoy it? Well, my oldest daughter really wanted to be in charge of picking the order of what we practiced and how many times we practiced things. And I had to learn with her to let her make some choices and have some decisions. And then my younger daughter didn't like that at all. She really wanted someone to tell her, here's what we're going to do next. And I think it made her feel just like she didn't enjoy it so much if she had to make a bunch of decisions in a row. So realizing you know, who wanted to be in charge and who wanted me to be in charge was a big one. So we didn't argue about that. And then also finding some games they enjoyed and to see what what made it feel more like a game and a fun kind of challenge instead of, oh, someone's making me do this thing I I don't want to do right now. Oh, okay. So I think that this is going to tie in perfectly to our next question. And I'm hoping that you have some games to share with us because I know that you have a lot of fun ones. So Zara, why don't you ask this question and then maybe we'll hear about some games. What are some things that I can do to make my own practicing more fun? This is a great question. I tell parents who are wondering about this, and maybe it will help you too, to think a little bit like a scientist thinks. Like we have to do some experiments sometimes and try different things. And then we have to notice, did that make it more fun or maybe not? And if it wasn't, we don't have to do that again. But I think sometimes that's the only way we find out what's fun for us is to do some experiments. So some things I like, some students really like to be competitive and setting a timer and trying to see how many things can we get done before the timer goes off. There's some little sand timers you can get. I found some on Amazon where some of them are for three minutes or five minutes. And so you have a few minutes before the sand runs out and you can try to see how many good bowl holds or how many good repetitions of something to beat a timer. Some people really enjoy that idea. Do you know what makes something fun for you if it's hard to do at first? Well, my mom said helped my brother to make up new words for a song. I don't know if that would work for me though. I don't know what would work for me though. That's sure. true, actually. With Thomas, we made up alternate words to Twinkle Twinkle based on Thomas the Train. Uh, no, Thomas B, actually. He loves B. So we made up some B words to go with Twinkle. And then, but for you, Zara, what makes practicing really fun for you? Because we do one thing often in your practicing. I don't know. Well, what have we been doing lately? 
we've been, we have an ongoing project actually. And we've, we've done many, many of these. We have some hanging on the wall pictures that we have drawn during practicing. So I really like drawing. So that makes it more fun for me because I like to draw and Zara likes to see my artwork. And so every time she does something that I ask her to, I add to the piece of artwork. And so what have we drawn, Zara? What are some examples? Well, it's usually drawn like Lego people. We've drawn person in Lego movie two named Mayhem. We've also drawn another person in that movie named Lucy. And I think, yeah, I think we also started Elsa, but we never finished. That's true. Yeah, we did not finish Elsa, but we did. We liked doing the Lego Lego characters and Lego minifigures are really they have especially, really clear lines. They're really easy and fun to draw. Well, yeah, especially if you've got the Lego person. Like, yeah, and we have the Lego person, so we have the perfect subject. Yeah. And then we color them in, and, and it can take yeah. weeks sometimes. Right now, we're working on another guy in The Hobbit. Yeah, we're working on Lego Legolas. So we're doing some drawings, and that's that's what makes it fun for Zara. That doesn't work as well for her brothers, though, because their practicing sessions tend to be much shorter. I think so, she sure. tried drawing a tiny like a guy for chase but like i don't think the face was the right that's true actually for um when chase was small we did trains and we would add a train car every single time he did something that i asked or sometimes it would be one train car per practice day but we would make it really elaborate and then it would grow and grow and grow over the you course you also of the week. do that for tom i do that for tom i draw trucks and then i draw roads and everything i draw a lot well, i like yeah, drawing but um and that makes it fun for me. I think that's important, I'm too. I'm not very good at drawing. Well, I think that you are. But, Mrs. Goodner, what do you think? Do you think it's important that parents enjoy the practicing? I think so. There's so many parents I talk to who say, oh, it's hard to do this every day and not feel tired or to stay patient. We're all trying to stay patient with each other, with our parents and with our children. So finding out what helps us both enjoy our time together. I used to make a really big mug of tea or coffee because it felt like a big treat just to sit in one place and not be busy doing so many things for a few minutes with my kids. And I would just enjoy that hot drink and sip on it. And if I felt frustrated, I'd just sip on that drink a little longer. Or <laughs> sometimes it just helped put me in a nice relaxed feeling. I think that whatever helps us stay relaxed, then we can really help our kids you know, yeah. focus and everything. Yeah, I feel like that part is so important for, for parents too. I have a couple other games I could give you if, if you want. Please tell us more games. Yes, okay. we want all the games. A couple ideas I also was thinking about as we were talking, stickers are really motivating to a lot of students. Some of my students, they'll just put a sticker on a plain little note card. It doesn't have to be something fancy and others will have fancy charts so you can get at a supply store, an office store. But putting a sticker on for each time we do something can be great. And I found other students too really need to move their body in between practicing. So maybe they do a chunk of their practice and they need to run around somewhere they're allowed to in the house or do a somersault or throw a ball in a bucket or whatever it is you can come up with so that they can just move their body because we have to hold so still and focus to practice. Sometimes we just have to wiggle and get that out before we can do it some more. Yeah, those are great games. I love that. Zara, can you think of anything that you would like to try when you're practicing? I mean, well, this might work for Chase and Tom. They might like to, like, Thomas might like to have his bees maybe watch him while he does his practice. And Chase might want to set up some Lego guys to watch him. Or maybe if he does, or maybe it could kind of be like a game or like a video game, except with, like, real things. Like, there's, like, they, they have to try to get to one place. Like, you can, you can... But then there's a lot of traps on the way. I know and exactly what you mean. Yeah, like maybe... We've done stuff like we, that before. Maybe when we get Azog, like Azog can go try to get 
I don't know. You're getting move. very detailed. But Mrs. Goodner, have you ever tried this before that you like draw out like a path or a road or something no, and then I you mean, move like, people through it? No, look, I sure. mean like an actual thing. Like you set up obstacles for the Lego person. And then they, so we're like building a really big obstacle. obstacle no, like just, Lego set then. No, like we already got a lot of things. So we can just set them up and then the person can walk through. Them. And I then see. we can set people up there to try to stop them or something. So we build like a Lego set and then we move the minifigures through. Yeah. Mrs. Goodner, have you ever tried anything like that? Yes, students? I think that can be great, especially moving items. It just lets us like do something totally different and then come back to the music we're working on. And yeah, I think anything like that is great. And we could probably talk all day about different creative ideas, but I hope people you know who are listening might just, this can help them think of some ideas that would work for them. I think the more creative we are, the more it helps when we just need a little extra fun inserted into our practice. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I think it's time for us to play a round or two of Pasta or, or composer. composer. Christine, have you played this game before? I have played this game with my students. They love it. It's very fun. I have to choose very obscure pastas or composers because usually when we play this game as music teachers we play it with our students and they're kind of on an even playing field of knowledge about composers and italian pasta but we'll play it now with you and zara and since you probably know a lot more composers than she does i'm gonna pick some really tricky ones okay i'll cross my fingers i can figure it out are you ready Okay, the first one is Mezzalune. Mezzalune. I think there is a composer. It's spelled M E Z Z or Z Z E L U N E. Mezzalune. Remember, it's a pasta. I don't know. What do you think, Mrs. Better hide your phone. I think it's a composer as well. It is a pasta. Oh, my goodness. I know, and it looks like a really yummy one. It's Does it like, look like, like noodles or something? Let it looks it. like. Um, you can show her. It's like little uh, pizza pockets, but very small with like, you, a the filling inside. I don't know if you can see. That's really hard to see. Like They're ravioli really almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit like ravioli. Maybe you should order them or something. Maybe I'll try We'll try them. Okay, you ready for a new one? We'll do hide three all together. Like, do, like, do it Number two. There. Yeah, I'll hide it so that you can't see. The next one is Galupi. Oh, I think that's a composer. It's spelled G-A-L-U-P-P-I. Galupi. Oh, I really want to Google it or something. <laughs> I said composer. You say composers are out. What do you say, Christine? I agree, composer. You are both correct. It is Baldassare Galupi. He lived Mom. from 1706 to 1785. Yeah, I saw both of those, and I did not change my answer. Good. Okay. So you got to make sure I really don't see it this time. Okay. And you got to leave it don't like look. that. Don't look. Don't look. you got to leave it like that. This is the last one. Round three. Hello. Pappardelle. I, I feel like we've done this one before. P-A-P-P-A-R-D-E-L-L-E. Pappardelle. I'm going to go with composer for the third time. What do you think this is, Goodner? I'm pretty sure this is a pasta. It is a pasta. And they pastas just all look the same to me. I, I can't remember can't remember how many got right and how many got wrong. It doesn't matter. There's no winner. It's just for fun. That's what Pappardelle looks like. It's like a, you've probably, you knew what it was. So you've probably seen it before, but it looks like. It looks like rib. It looks like a tan ribbon. Yeah. It looks Mm -hmm. like ribbons. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today, Christine. This was a pleasure. Except the ribbon sword shiny. How can we learn more about you and how can parents and kids connect with you to learn more about the work you do to make practicing better? Sure. I have a website at christinegoodner.com where you can see some articles about practicing if some of these ideas are something you're more interested in diving into. And I'm also on Instagram at Suzuki Triangle. And I would love to connect with people there as well. I'd like to share a lot of practice ideas there. Amazing. Make sure you check out Christine Goodner on Instagram and and Facebook as well. And make sure that you check out her blog. What was the what was the blog link again? It's ChristineGoodner.com. So you Christine can just put Goodner. my name in there. Yeah, pretty, pretty basic. And we'll put those links in the show notes. Thanks so much for being with us here today, Christine. And um, I can't wait to to hear more about practicing with you soon. Great to see you both. Happy practicing. Happy practicing. Thanks for listening to Kids Cue the Music. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with other kids you think would love it. I'm Zora Lane. And I'm Rebecca Lane. Talk to you next time on Kids Cue the Music. Thank <laughs> you.